The following program originally aired on March 15, 2017. Welcome to Grayson 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. This is Ed Mellick, and I'm joined by my co-host Sal Dietry. Sal, you fired up tonight? Ed, in- indeed, because uh, we need to talk like we have tonight uh, in our country right now. You know, we live in a country, a world, and indeed a county that can be often characterized by division, racial, political, religious. We desperately need reconciliation in this country, and we need to start somewhere. We need to start tearing down these walls of division. But how do we do that in our hearts, in our minds, in our schools, in our communities? Today we're hosted by John Sly, the senior pastor of Grace Community Church right here in Arlington County, a a church for people who don't go to church, a place where people are welcome, a place of reconciliation. John joins us to talk about the keys to genuine, lasting reconciliation, to challenge us, get out of our comfort zone, and start solving the problem. John, my brother, welcome to Grace in 30. Sal and Ed, thank you so much for having me back. It's, uh, well, what an honor to be invited back. That's just, that's a big deal, man. I've never been invited back anywhere, so appreciate it very much. We've never had anyone accept the invitation to come back. No, no, that's not true. That's not true. We've had a few people. We've had a couple of the people. I'd like to kick off. You, You did a recent sermon series on racial reconciliation, and I got a lot out of that. And you kick things off by first challenging people to take an honest look at themselves, and you talk quite a bit about human nature. And I was hoping, why don't you start out kind of talking about some of the highlights of what you discussed uh, when you kick things off during that series? Okay. Well, we went uh, through mainly the second chapter of the book of Ephesians. You know, in the Bible, the Bible is a great reconciliation book. But within the Bible, the letter to the church in Ephesus, which is called in the Bible, Ephesians is like the racial reconciliation letter of the entire Bible. It is awesome. And it gives us a roadmap there. And where it starts with, like you said, Ed, it starts with ourself. And it says that we have this thing, which in Latin is called sarx, S-A-R-X. It's that meaning that we are turned in upon ourselves. Martin Luther says we are curved in upon ourselves. And so what happens is, is we're wired for comfort. We just are. And the deal is with reconciliation, change is challenging. We have to be challenged. Change is challenging. We're wired for comfort. Comfort corrupts. And so we'll get to a point of reconciliation. And before we know it, we slip back into that comfort because the way we're wired. And all of a sudden, I, you know, I heard somebody say this when we were in, in the middle of this reconciliation series. He's a good guy. He's a good guy that said this. He said, you know, I wish we could go back to simpler times like in the 1950s when everything was great. Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know how you say that? Because it was great for you. It was great for you, but there's a lot of people it wasn't great for. So what would allow a really good person to say that? Well, it's because we're curved in ourselves because we view everything through the lens of how is it affecting me rather than thinking about how is it affecting other people. That's so easy to do. So it starts with this thing called sarks. And it, it takes constant work. Oh, it does. Because it you does. keep falling back into that. Yeah, but you know what's cool in Ephesians 2? It says that Christ comes along and he tears down the dividing wall of hostility. And in Ephesians 2, when it says that, it's between races of people. And the division, the wall of hostility was so strong. They would eat together. 
right? They wouldn't hang out together. No, it's totally separate. Kind of reminds you of American segregation, right? But totally separate. Wouldn't be like you would be contaminated if you drank from the same water fountain. Do you know what I'm saying? And so Jesus Christ. So where Christ comes in is he gets deep down in our hearts and Christ deals with that sarks and helps to take that down and turns us outward instead of inward. So we need Christ's help. And the letter to the church in Ephesus, it's amazing. It really is. Yeah, I wanted to mention you and I have been talking about a book called Seeds of the Word by uh, Bishop Robert Barron. And twice in that book on pages 10 and 47, he mentions, wherever two or three are gathered, look for victims. And he talks about how all human societies are dysfunctional and predicated on a scapegoat mechanism, the tendency to find someone or some group to blame. And it's just all this division all the time. And it's we have to address our human nature, our tendency to to withdraw and to separate ourselves. Yes. And to try to tear down these walls. So what else about our nature can you say? No, there's a lot that could be said, but you know, the first thing that comes to mind is we need to push ourselves out of our comfort zone to cross cultural divides where there's separation. And Christ leads us so well in that because he constantly is doing that throughout the stories of his life. You know, we, we had uh, a gentleman come and speak to us at Grace. Grace uh, hosted an event by Daryl Davis. And he was excellent. Here's an African-American man for the past 30-ish years. He has been uh, befriending members of the KKK. Very uncomfortable situation. He kind of took heat on all sides, but he wanted to sit down. He wanted to push across that divide to listen to them. There are people in the KKK that uh, he, he Daryl, is the godfather of some of these guys kids. That's how much of a relationship he has developed with them over the past 30 years. It is absolutely amazing. Very uncomfortable, very difficult to do, but he pushed across that, you know, got out of his comfort zone. That sounds like a great movie. I'd like, you know, that, I'd like to meet him. That's amazing. Well, it's on Netflix. You go on Netflix now, and it's called Accidental Courtesy. It is an amazing program. Everybody should see it. Is that the one that was produced by PBS? Yes, PBS did a special on him. Okay, because I came and saw him speak, and about a week before that, I stumbled across the program on yeah. uh, on PBS. Yeah, you know, you bring up a, a good point, uh, John, that one of our prior guests, Joe Montville, talked about, which is that these perceptions are built up, and we never go back to try and to try and address them. We simply try to move on from that. We yes. don't go back and look at this. For example. One of the big things you you know you've heard probably in in the sixties or seventies I know I heard it growing up as a child was the Jews killed Jesus. Mm. How long has it taken to move from that kind of thinking mm-hmm. in Christian Judaism relationships? Yeah, and it, but yet people would never go back and try and break down that yeah. that monument that barrier that issue uh, and really tackle it because as you said it takes you to an uncomfortable conversation yes and Monville says and, and he studied this a lot uh, in global tensions in Africa b- between Christians Jews and Muslims if we don't go back to some of these things mm. we can never really go forward these things will just drag us down as we go through that I mean mm. what are your thoughts on uh, trying to get out of your comfort zone and maybe looking at some of these issues that are continue to plague us in this country. Uh, that's great, Sal. And I have a couple thoughts about that. First of all, we do have to like physically go and break that, right? Just like Daryl Davis does and other people have. And say, but also intellectually to do the hard work to make that 
happened. One of the things we covered in the reconciliation series was in the South, one of the main heresies that was going on to justify slavery is to go all the way back to Noah and say that his son was cursed and that son that was cursed represented black people and therefore black people have been cursed by God and that's why they are slaves. And that heresy was widespread. Now people people who had the education right in the bible bible they knew the difference but were they going to do the hard work are we going to get out there and put down that heresy well there were some that were doing it obviously but it wasn't happening enough and so many people were hurt by that so what i want to say is this we have to do the hard work intellectually as well to get the word out there so you brought up the jewish people and what so somebody somebody's right need to get out there and talk that down Right. I, I've always believed that, that uh, no one could kill Jesus without, uh, you know, none of this could happen without God's will. Right. Without his. So the, totally. the whole hypothesis in my mind is preposterous, but it's been a stigma in, in relationships between Jews and Christians for, for forever. Yes. And yet we haven't gone back and, and torn that down. And so, you know, these things persist in many ways today. So proximity. We got to get to know people. Yes. Uh, you talked about the intellectual effort involved. And another thing you really focused on was prayer. Yes. How important that was. Talk a little bit about that. Prayer is incredibly important in this entire uh, process. Uh, First of all, for those who have been hurt, there's healing. So if I've been hurt or somebody's been hurt by somebody, racism or it could be a lot of, okay, but let's specifically focus on racism. That pain is really deep, right? They have hurt me. They put me down. I'm not good enough. That bitterness can really brew in there. I read an article from Trayvon Martin's family in Time. So I think it was, it's been five years since uh, he was killed. And they were talking about the importance of prayer in their own healing process. They said they could have never made it through without prayer. So we need God's help. God knows that we just don't get over these deep things that cut us straight to our heart. And he wants to help us. get. Matter of fact, I'm not sure that we can get over it without God's help Mm -hmm. because that bitterness goes so deep. It takes time. It takes prayer. So I think prayer is really, really important. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about in difficult situations where there's aggression and violence involved. And I know that, that Christ advocated a path of nonviolence. He said that his followers would be recognized by their love for one another. And historically, there's been a lot of violence Christian on Christian. Yes. And talk a little bit about that. What does that look like? Because I, you know, I read another great article from Robert Barron on, you know, we think of fight or flight, but there's really a third option, and that's what Christ was modeling. Tell us yes. a little bit about that. Well, again, I want to go back to what Sal brought up a few minutes ago about just being intellectually not being lazy and to do the hard work to understand and understand what the scriptures are telling us sometimes because, again, sarks, we get lazy, we get apathetic, which is really the enemy. Christ says in the book of Revelation that, you know, the enemy is not being hot or cold. The enemy is being this lukewarm, apathetic place. And so when we get there intellectually, when it comes to the Bible, we have grave misunderstandings. And so we need to do the hard work there to understand what the scriptures is saying and how it's leading us to uh, you know, to a different place. So yes, Christ is calling us to a third option, just like you said, Ed. And that third option, uh, Dr. King talked about it. He said, God has given us a method. He's given us a method. He used that word specifically. And that method is that nonviolent approach, right? To say, hey, this is wrong, and, but I love you and I'm going to keep. So I, I just read a quote by John Lewis recently, who was 
reminiscing over the civil rights movement, he said, you know, in this quote, it was something like, you, know, you can jail us, you can beat us, do us anything short of killing us, and we're going to come back with Christian love to you. Uh, so Christ gives us uh, the roadmap, and what's fascinating about that is you think about this, it has been Christianity, it's been the stance of the Bible, it's been the life of Jesus Christ that fueled the abolitionist movement. First greatest global movement against slavery came out of the Bible. Civil rights movement came right out of the Bible, right out of Jesus Christ. This was all fueled. I know there's confusion about this sometimes, and I know that Christians have made grave mistakes, but it is clear that the end of slavery started with people understanding who Jesus Christ is, and the launch pad was the Bible. So, so the same with civil rights. So the same with the Montgomery uh, bus boycott that was so rooted in the church. These are wonderful things, and we have to get back to that truth. Yeah, and it's interesting to note that even non-Christians like Gandhi modeled his approach and, and effected a huge change based on the principles of what Jesus Christ taught. Yes. So that's, I found that fascinating when I read a, a write-up by Philip Yancey on him mm -hmm. uh, recently. Mm -hmm. Quick break, just to identify, uh, we're talking to John Sly, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, uh, with two locations, one in Arlington and a new one in Falls Church. He's joined us to talk about the most effective way to truly and lastingly promote racial and other reconciliation. So John, the Bible has a lot to say about poverty and justice. Some claim that one out of every 15 verses address one or both of these issues. During a recent sermon series, you led me to look at some verses about John the Baptist in Luke 3 in a, in a completely different way. It really kind of made them come alive. Talk about that a little bit, because I, I think your message was if, if people would just kind of get into the Word and see what it really says, right. they'd get psyched about it, whether yes. it's millennials or whoever. Yes. Well, there's so much in the Bible about justice and about seeking justice. and. The word righteousness, you know, basically, how do I have a right relationship with God in the scriptures means I'm right with God and I'm right with others. So there is this uh, vertical rightness and there's a horizontal. And if both of them aren't in play, then there's a problem there. Job, uh, who God himself calls righteous, talks about what it meant to be righteous, and he he sought the justice for everybody that was around them, whether they were neighbors or whether they worked for him, because this story in Job is about, I mean, he was a very wealthy guy who had lots of employees, so to speak, and how he sought their justice, how he treated them right. And so um, we, we just need to remember, I mean, some of us take our faith in God, oh, that's just so, so personal, right? It's just between me and God. But the scripture says it's both personal and public. Mm -hmm. What am I doing publicly? Uh, so if I'm an employer, am I, am, I, am I giving, you know, wages to my employees that are acceptable in the eyes of God, or am I looking? So you, you go to the scriptures, and it says that when you're, if you're a farmer and you're gleaning the fields, you should actually leave some of your profit on the table <laughs> to, you know, who would think of doing that, leaving profit on the table? And in the series, I told a story about a car dealer, and this guy, very well-to-do car dealer, and he wanted to go through and figure out, well, who's getting the best deals on my cars? And what kind of person is getting that? And what he realized was, is the wealthiest people were getting the cheapest deal, and the people who had the least amount of money were paying the most. And so he said, well, this isn't right. So though it cost him some profit, he changed everything so that everybody would be paying the same price, so that people who 
weren't didn't have as, as much money weren't paying an inflated amount of money. And, and you know, often I think this you're trying to say, John, is this gets back to focusing our day and our work around prayer and God. And often uh, I'm reading a, a excellent verse from Matthew Kelly, who's one of my favorite mm-hmm. writers, and he said, you know, it's an hour by hour thing. Mm-hmm. You know, take an hour of something that you don't like or if you're unhappy at your job. And often a lot of this stuff stems from unhappiness that isn't tied back to people having faith, being in a place with their faith where they're, yeah. where they should be. And he says, look, you know, take an hour of your work and use it as a prayer for your enemy, yeah. for something that you want to change in your life. I mean, mm-hmm. comment on that because I just see even here in Arlington County where we have so much prosperity, so much opportunity, this need for reconciliation. We, we've just gone through a school redistricting process here that really, I think, brought out uh, the worst in in many people here, Mm -hmm. pitting, quote, South Arlington against North Arlington. And we're still reeling from that. We're having entire discussions now around the county about diversity uh, in one of the most highly educated, wealthy populations in the United States. Mm -hmm. How can we start looking at this in a a small way every day to start avoiding these kind of unnecessary events, but really focusing on what's important in our relationship with God. Yeah, well, I'll start with this. I grew up in South Arlington. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I know the challenges that are there. North Arlington historically always has looked down on South Arlington. So, uh, well, Jesus gives us the example. There he is hanging on the cross. We're almost to Easter. He's hanging on the cross, praying for his enemies, forgiving his enemies, um, you know, blessing people, forgiving people who have treated him wrongly. And so he gives us this call out that we should do the same. And that's really, really hard to do, isn't it? Uh, but it's so important because uh, God can work in our hearts and and change us, and God can change the other person and bring us back together. But if we just pull up on our own side, again, this is so hard to do. But if, if we will do it, that's where the real change can happen. And that's what you saw in my study of the civil rights movement. Boy, that's what brought that uh, that barrier down. Yeah, I always say that um, Christ didn't hang on the cross and look at one particular group and say, you've got until Friday at 5 o'clock yeah. to clean it up <laughs> or yeah. this sacrifice doesn't apply. And you people over there, forget it. I'm not dying for you. I mean, he died for everyone, yeah. and he gives us our lifetime to, to acknowledge him, to, to turn to him. And I, I find that amazing. I mean, it's, it's unwavering in that sacrifice. Yeah, it's very unique. And I'll say this is that, you know, here in Arlington County, just as you brought up, Sal, really important because of the tensions politically what's going on. So we did this racial reconciliation series. I had numerous people come to me and says, when can we do a political reconciliation series? That's right. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, do it right it's, now. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, really difficult. But, you know, Ed, as you just brought up, Christ and Christ's method, as Dr. King said, there is a method, that Christ's method is what works and brings down the barrier. And I just, you know, wanna, I want to say this, and I, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to be, you know, disrespectful uh, to people who have all kinds of belief, but I just want to say that I have, I've read so much recently uh, from like Christopher Hitchens and, 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 and Dawkins and Sam Harris and on and on about saying that, you know, the way, the way to peace, the biggest barrier kind of to world peace is, is religion. If we could just get religion out, we would have peace. But the data, the evidence doesn't 
doesn't show that to be true because those who follow Christ, it is this is empirically true, <laughs> that Christianity has spread through all cultures in the world unlike any other movement on the face of the earth. It doesn't crush cultures. It actually lifts cultures up. And that's why when you look at a map of the world today, you you don't see most Christians in the United States of America. It's Africa, China, South America. It's, It's all these cultures represented because Christ brings people together. And that's just a just a fact that the Christian movement is the most multicultural movement in the history of the world. You're reminding me of, we, we had uh, James Ackerman on, the president of uh, Prison Fellowship, yeah. and they have these intensive academy programs that they do uh, in prisons that last about a year, and the recidivism rate drops through the floor when mm. people go through these. I mean, when they, they're taught these principles of you know sacrifice and sacrificial love, uh, faithfulness, um, and, and I think in one particular group, and, and another thing was having a mentor, someone who accepted you when you mm-hmm. came out and sort of took you under their wing. And the return rate to jail, and I think it was in Minnesota, uh, somewhere in the in north, some cold region of the world, um, where it was like 0.8%. And I think the national rate or the average is between 67 and 75% return, oh, depending yes. on what year it is, mm-hmm. for people committing new crimes and returning to prison. And it just shows the power of this message, and this message is is one of self-sacrifice mm-hmm. and of forgiveness and of unconditional love. Yeah, it's extremely unique. And you've been talking, you know, uh, a lot about grace and and truth, and you know, grace is one of our favorite things to talk about. But share some thoughts on on grace and how we start, you know, channeling that more here in our community in, in general uh, as a people. Well, I think uh, it's got to start with uh, really looking at Jesus and uh, having a correct understanding. I mean, you. so when you ask people today, what do you think of when you think of the Christian church? Grace isn't the first thing that they think of. Um, so there's a, there's a misunderstanding of who Jesus Christ is. I also think that, you know, bad news sells so when something bad happens you hear about that you don't hear about the many wonderful incredible things that churches you know are 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 doing that's right Uh, but to have a correct understanding of jesus it's gonna have to result if you look at christ's life it's gonna have to result in humble service for somebody who truly understands i mean ed just brought that up a minute ago i mean here you have jesus christ coming and sacrificing his life, you know, he comes down, he, he gives up his rights in heaven to come down and adjust himself to us. And if I'm a follower of Jesus, well, what does that mean? That means I'm adjusting myself to the world around me, giving up my rights to, to sacrifice, to maybe and sometimes to people I really don't care for, maybe in people that might be my enemies. What if you had a world that, what if you had husbands and wives that actually did that i mean what would what would a home look like if i said to my wife you know it's just always going to be you first and i'm going to adjust whatever's going on in my life to you okay i owe my wife an apology when i get <laughs> there you, you beat it out of me john I think. but you know, there's yeah, the path. Hey, amen you know you get busy with kids and the day starts and a few words are said and, and there you go yep. well it, it's a discipline I mean, you have to do it over and over, and you'll never be perfect. You'll always backslide in oh, some yeah. sense. Oh, yes. I mean, I've been through this for about nine years with my ex-wife, who I call my wife. I love her dearly. And I, I just 
determined to press in on God and just say, I surrender, you know, my rights and simply serve her because I, I started focusing on what I was doing wrong in the marriage, which was a lot. <laughs> and when I only focused on that and then started looking at her through Christ's uh, graceful, forgiving eyes, it just changed everything. Yeah. And uh, it's been an amazing journey. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's not been easy. And, and to this day, I still say stupid things or, or react poorly to her. And, and she'll remind me. And instead of getting into a fight, you know, I've gotten into the mode, the habit now, simply saying, yeah, you know, she's right. I've, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm really messing this up. Well, look, let's let's take an, an, a different approach on this maybe in, in, in a minute here. But, you know, Voice is an organization here in Northern Virginia that is bringing uh, Christians, Jews, Muslims, people of different religions together. And, and they're big on social justice. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on that as a way of getting people together? And, you know, it's a hands-on approach to say, you know, if we're all working together, we're, we're going to see that we're all good people, mm-hmm. right? That sort of goodness is going to come out. I mean, are you all promoting that within Grace Community? Or are, you, are you looking at sort of outreach to uh, different religions in, in that sense of uh, a hands-on relationship? Or? Yeah, well, we haven't worked with voice yet, but we have with ourselves reach out to other faith groups to work alongside of them uh, our our biggest attended event of the year that we do is uh in december when we package meals we package 150,000 meals this past year and we had 1700 people show up to do that and we had all kinds of you know faith groups that were represented along with boy scouts and girl scouts and etc cetera, etc cetera. but yes so we, we invited the synagogue right down the street from us to participate with us and we were thrilled by that that is a great event. That's, I think, your hallmark event. It's a, it it's a wonderful thing here in Ireland. Yeah. So we've got about two and a half minutes or so, and if we want you, if there's something on your heart or your mind that you'd like to, to say to the listeners or some sort of a call to action. I know you guys were sponsoring Tables for Eight events uh, in the local community to get people of different ethnicities and races to get together and break bread and talk. What would you like to challenge the listeners to do? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, add the tables for eight because that was so important. We, you know, had this idea to do it and and get people together to talk about reconciliation and to share their stories. And I hoped it would be good. <laughs> I hoped it would be good. But the result, you know, came back. I actually got a little bit nervous right before we launched. I thought, oh my goodness, with all the tension going on, this is going to be terrible. Maybe we shouldn't do this. But we pushed ahead. We did it anyway. And all the feedback I've gotten has been fantastic. So we're just getting groups of people together, mainly people who don't know each other. We're giving them a very simple roadmap to go through and to share their stories and talk about reconciliation, what we can do, and push out of their you know comfort zones to get to know other people and to bring down barriers and, and division. So it really it began in uh, at Christmas, leading up to uh, to Christmas time for us. And I was talking about Brian Stevenson, who is the director for the Equal Justice Initiative, just a great guy, wrote a book called Just Mercy. And I was listening to a talk by him, and he said, you know, the number one thing that I I really want to call people to do is proximity. He said, just, you you don't have to be an expert. Just go and be with somebody. Just cross that divide. And so you think about Christmas. If proximity is it, well, then to understanding someone, that is Christmas. That is God coming down out of heaven to be proximate with us, and there's the roadmap. And so as followers of Christ, let's go do the same. He lays it out for us. This is what we're after. So I want my call to action is encourage people uh, to do the same. You've got a new location at the George Mason High School, another church for people who don't go to church. Yes. What, what um, 
uh, besides going to your website, people are welcome to drop in. W- what do you need for that? Any call to action you're looking for? Uh, expanded ministry there. Um, a- anything you want to give? Talk about your new church out at George Mason High School. So yes, George Mason High School on Sunday morning. It's next to the West Falls Church uh, Metro. Um, so it, we would just love for anybody to come and and to be a part of it. So we meet it uh, here in Arlington at Thomas Jefferson at nine thirty and eleven. And our website's Try Grace T R Y, like Give Grace a Try. TryGrace.org. And uh, but what we're trying to do in both of these communities is build up a a community uh, where where people feel welcomed in. All right, John, thank you so much again for joining us. Ed, my friend, uh, talk us out of here. If you want to listen to the sermon series I was referring to, you can go to trygrace.org slash messages. That's trygrace.org slash messages. This is Ed and Sal signing off from Grace and 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Have a great night and be sure to tune into Grace. Grace.